Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, guys, before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that for whatever reason, halfway through the episode... My audio was cut out, so you get the audio from every one of our contributors that joined the podcast tonight, but mine cut out. I thought the guys did an amazing job, and I really felt like the information there was great, so I didn't want to just cut it out and end the podcast early. I, so I, I, sh- I cut all the areas out where my audio cut out, and I just put together the best parts from the contributors who joined this podcast, and I think it actually turned out pretty good, but if it sounds a little disjointed to you, that's why. So anyways, if you're frustrated about that, send me a tweet. I deserve it. Don't be too mean, but you can be a little mean. That's okay. I'm sorry. But anyways, here we go with an SLC Dunk group chat. I'm excited about this. I thought it was really good. I think we're going to do a lot of these more in the future. So let's get started with the new SLC Dunk group chat. All right, welcome back to the SLC Dunk podcast. This is your host, Hanson James. And today we have a special episode. We're going to do some of these group chats. I wanted to bring on some of our contributors that have been writing about all the different draft prospects. If you've been on SLC Dunk lately, we have been pumping out draft profiles of everyone in this draft and the range that the Jazz might be able to uh, pick. Everyone from Josh Green to, to... Well, these guys know better than me because they've been writing just a ton. I want to just invite you all. I'm going to just go through and let everyone just kind of introduce themselves. So everyone knows me. I'm James Hansen. Uh, Take it away, guys, I guess. Let me know. Let let everyone know who's here. I think you got to tell us what order to go in. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with Calvin. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Hi, I'm Calvin Chappell. Um, I'm brand new to SLC Dunk. I've been... uh, a part of it just as a commenter and a reader for a long time, but I've just started writing. I've written two articles so far just on draft prospects. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. It's Calvin's been a long time. Uh, I think it's C Chapel on the, uh, the forums. <laughs> yeah. I hope That's I haven't I argued with anyone here too much. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. It's, an, it's inevitable, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we got Jordan Cummings. Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, I've been with SLC Dunk. Jeez, uh, what is it? Probably like six or seven years since I started reading and commenting. I think I've been writing for what, four or five seasons now? It's been a while. Anyway, I probably argued with a bunch of you guys in the comment section too, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then we got Jason. Howdy. You know, I'm Jason. I think I've been writing for like two or three years i've kind of lost count um not been uh following slc dunk for long it's probably only been five or six years but got back from my mission and then saw the opportunity coming right and it's been it's been a blast ever since yeah and we're glad to have you and then we got a new one as well in sven uh hello everybody um this is i've been at slc dunk for like a grand total of a week and a half and i'm really excited I just kind of applied and I got the opportunity. I'm super excited to be here. 
Yeah, it's great. So you guys have been doing um, awesome work writing about all these different prospects. And I kind of just wanted to dive in and uh, talk about it. I know who I am kind of interested in, who'd I, who I'd like to see. We recently had, we recently had the, um, the SB Nation um, blogger draft. And I ended up picking Jordan Green. He's my favorite player in jo- this draft. Josh Green. Josh Green. Sorry, who did I say? Jordan. Josh Green. Uh, he to me is just kind of the perfect fit for Utah, and he, he kind of feels like a player that wouldn't normally be available at this point in the draft. And what makes me excited about this draft is there's a lot of guys kind of like that in this draft. I know a lot of people have kind of ragged on this draft, but I think it's more because there hasn't been like a number one obvious guy. But in terms of like, you know, pick 15 through 30, it's kind of an awesome draft. Like there are going to be guys available even at 23 that Utah can be excited about. Uh, So who I'll just throw it out there and you guys can just like dive in. But who are you guys most excited about in the draft in the kind of the jazz's range? Jalen Smith hype train, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Smith, I like. The only thing is, I'm worried he's just not going to be there. I mean, he may be one that like falls. Yeah, but... he, I could see him going as early as honestly, I could see him going the late lottery, <clears throat> like 13, 14. I think it's likely he goes between 15 and 20. But if he does fall, I think I think he's got the highest floor of any any player that will be available at 23 for Utah. I, I mean, so Tyrese Maxey, I know I read, I, I wrote a piece on him and he's definitely not a good fit for the jazz, but I really like him. I think he could, he would be a really fun player. I don't think he's, he's got his ceiling is actually that high, but he's one of those players that you just, that like make you pull your hair out, but also are so much fun to watch. And I, I am addicted to those kind of players. You know what? So I was doing a draft video on my favorite player in this draft, um, Isaac Okoro. I know Jordan loves him. Uh, and it, and one of the, I watched like two or three just full games with him. Um, by the way, he's, he's really freaking awesome. But anyways, uh, you know, like how we kind of talked about, you remember when everyone was talking about Jabari Parker and people were watching Duke games and watching Jabari Parker and you kind of noticed this guy, uh, Rodney Hood on that team. And you're like, hey, that Rodney Hood guy is pretty good. And I kind of have that same experience with Maxie um, when I was watching a coral. Like when he was when they were playing Kentucky, you just see Maxie just like do nice things. He's one of those guys that to me kind of kind of jumped off the screen a little bit. I kind of feel like he's going to be a nice NBA player just because he's one of those guys that really impacts the game. I don't know if he'll be available at at the Jazz's spot, but if he is, I wouldn't be surprised if they jump on him. I don't know. I think I think his biggest downside is that his shooting is just such a question mark because if you look at his shot during college, he really put his arms straight forward in front of his face, and that really does not translate well to long-range shooting. But he did say that he improved on that, and that's a good sign, and he's got good, like, foot mechanics and great balance so he had the potential to be a solid shooter and that mixed with his with his defense i think he could really be i think his ceiling is a really really solid uh role player that teams will kind of drool over five six seven years down the line Mm. 
great. Who who else do you guys like? I, we got like, I mean, there's like so many guys in this draft. I'm, I'm kind of I'm gonna pull up the site. And maybe I can just pull up some of the guys we've talked about. Yeah, um, we talked about Josh for Green. like 25 players that that could all that could all go anywhere between 18 ish and like well, 40 to 45. Well, and that's what makes me excited. And you know, there were like, and, and even like last year, you heard the Jazz kind of. You got like lots of little rumors and hints that the Jazz were just not very happy with the draft. And I, I, I believe last year the Jazz weren't they just dr- drafting the second round anyway? So they really yeah. Wasn't... Last year they got Mie Oni and Jarrell Brantley after yeah. trading back into the second round. And uh, and oh, I forgot the other Justin guy. Justin Wright Foreman um, as well. Oh also yeah, exactly. Right, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about JWF. But it didn't really feel like there was anyone like the Jazz were particularly excited about to jump into like the late first round. In this draft, it really feels like there are a bunch of guys. Uh, a lot of people are excited about Josh Green. What do you guys think about Josh Green? I think he's a more athletic Danny Green clone. I love him as a 3 and D player in the NBA. I was going to say, a more athletic Danny Green is kind of awesome. <laughs> like that, that guy's like... Uh, an incredible role player. And if that's the case, I mean, that's what I like about him. He's six, six with a six ten wingspan. He's pretty athletic. And I saw like something come out. I can't remember who it was who tweeted it, but showing just that he had one of the better leaps or, you know, just his athletic ability actually showed up really well in the combine. So to me, he really feels like just kind of like a really, really nice pick. I could see him being a starter at some point, like a nice, like, big wing role player. I know sometimes it's funny with like your team makeup. It kind of feels like if you want to win a finals championship, it feels like you want your wing player to be your, your kind of your star, but you know, and so that, you know, maybe the jazz, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think about, but if you have a a high level role player at the wing and then you have a, a point guard like Donovan Mitchell, it feels like that could be some, like a formula that could be really good. Uh, I just really like Josh green. Everything I see about him. I really like, if the Jazz were to get incredibly lucky and Aaron Naismith and and Josh Green are both on the board, who do you think they take? Josh Green because he plays I, defense. You think so? Because yeah. Nes- Sh- Nesmith is like I mean, that guy is flames. That guy is I, like I think Nesmith is more like a Cam Johnson type of player where like, yeah, he can shoot, but that's kind of all he can do. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh Green can defend he can he can pass a little bit he can also shoot it really well he can he, he's switchable on defense like there's just josh green just doesn't have a very many holes in his game and there's mm-hmm. a there are, there's a lot of quality role players that are going to be available in the second half of the first round and like all the way through the second yeah for what the jazz read night right need right now they need guys like josh green those role players the kind that fill in the gaps of a championship team the the three and D guys, the guys the uh, bundle around your stars. And so I'm I'm pretty high on Josh Green as well, and I think uh, I think Desmond Bain was another guy that was kind oh, of yes similar to Josh Desmond Green in terms Bain. of a three and D guy. Yeah. See, yeah. I what? Oh, go ahead. Desmond Bain is I, I love him as a prospect. There's literally the only knocks on him are his age and his wingspan. Other than that, his game is just rock solid all the way around. Oh, see, the thing that I, so 
Desmond Bain is like that girl that you really have a crush on in college, but you're just not even going to think about too much because you know she'll, you know she's going to turn you down. Like what what's going to happen is I love Desmond Bain so much. I really Who hurt you, I think James. He's like he's almost uh, he's almost as exciting as Isaac Okoro, but like he like he would be the perfect fit next to Donovan Mitchell. And I just don't want to get my hopes up because I know he's going to go like 22. Like, I just know it's <laughs> Oh, yeah. He'll totally go the pick before, and then the Jazz will pick somebody like, uh, oh, my gosh, I already forgot his name. James, remind me, the, the Duke player who tripped everybody. Oh, another, uh, another Grayson um, Allen? Allen or? Yeah, yeah. Grayson Allen, we'll draft yeah. another Grayson Allen, and then uh, David Locke will try and tell us what a great pick it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did oh, I shout, shout out to the Locked On podcast. <laughs> I, I, I did the breakdown for Grayson Allen, like the draft profile, and then it got featured. And I'm like, that's who the Jazz ended up taking. But I was like, I don't even like this pick, and I'm the guy who who went in in depth on him, trying to figure out what he was good at. And it was just like that pick just never really felt right. Even He's good at looking myself. like yeah, Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, that was like. You know what? I don't know what went on with that pick. And you know what? I sometimes wonder if that was like a Greg Miller pick. I don't even know. Like sometimes I, I think people don't realize how I don't know. That was a strange pick. The and ghost there were like of Kevin O'Connor. I mean Yeah, maybe the pick. ghost of yeah. Kevin O'Connor jumped in. But he must have done incredible in the workout. Yeah, you know? he did. Dennis Lindsay. Dennis had... Lindsay mentioned that his workout was really incredible. He must have had a great workout. And to his in his defense, he has had a pretty okay NBA career. Like I'm sure he'll be in the NBA for at least another two or three years. Um, yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm gonna jump in here with my my first podcast, my first hot take. I I liked Grayson Allen from the beginning. I was one of the few, <laughs> so Ooh, I was here, hot. I was here commenting on your guys' posts saying it was a good pick, and I'm still right in that train, telling people he's had a great second year. He's gonna be good next year. I mean, to be fair, you know, the guy I liked in that draft was in a game. Chandler, Chandler Hutchison, who went 22, one pick before, and he hasn't had much of a career yet either. So, like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes I just think if you're picking like 23, like we are now, chances are you're not going to get someone good. That's what's exciting about this draft is kind of because whoever the Jazz end up with, like, if you lose out on Desmond Bain, who to me is like um, Malcolm Brogdon 2.0. Where he can like he's not I don't think he's gonna be your lead guard but guard but he's gonna be like a perfect playoff of the lead guard guy he can handle Ooh, Des- a little Desmond bit Bain? yeah he can oh, handle yeah, I, total, I totally not, agree and I honestly I think his shorter wingspan is why he's not like an elite ball handler but he can handle good enough and he also is is a good passer and then he's a lights out shooter so he's just honestly and he's athletic like he he can leap. And so he's one of those guys that I think can really like, I mean, he, I think I could see him being a starter year two playing next to Donovan Mitchell. And I think, I and think with being an impact guy, we're going to have, we're going to see Utah. Like we've been talking about how they're going to choose a three and D type player for months now. I have a feeling they're going to do a little switcheroo on us and they will go for a playmaking player that they're, that they're going to try to kind of, room into there being like the successor to an Ingles kind of guy you know mm. well there are a few guys like, like that. that uh you know who fell to the, so when we were doing the blogger draft you know who fell to the jazz i could have picked him was tyrell terry mm. and he is kind of that that mold and 
I mean, honestly, it was, it's funny when you're like in that driver's seat and you have to make a pick, the adrenaline pumps a little differently (laughs) (laughs) and you start thinking about things like, cause it was really, cause you know, Desmond Bain went like 20. Um, and he was obviously one of those guys I really was hoping would fall. He was gone, but you know, Tyrell Terry falling was kind of interesting. And so you have Terry and, um, and green on the board and you really do start thinking like man you know what he kind of reminds me of trey young a tiny bit but maybe without the passing and then you start thinking like well this guy can't really guard and if trey young couldn't score and pass like he does then he'd be you know out of the league because <laughs> like, he's just not got the size so it's 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 scary so i don't know i don't what playmakers are you think are going to be a bit available at 23 that you think the jazz might be able to get I think that's honestly kind of going to be down to dumb luck, really. Because you could get get somebody like Leonardo Balmaro, but he's not that much of a playmaker. And I'm sure he'll be available at 23. And I think that'd be a little bit of a reach. Mm -hmm. But there's also Malachi Flynn. Oh, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Yeah, that's, that's that's a great pick, too. Malachi Flynn's kind of interesting, and I, I got to watch him a little bit because I covered Utah State basketball. Um, he's really shot up draft boards. Like when I was first looking at him, he was in like the 40s. And now all of a sudden we're talking about him being a legit pick in the mid 20s. Um, but I do have to admit, I actually really like him. Like, because when you get a guy who's like six foot, six foot one, you really need him to be a playmaker, and he's that kind of guy. He's, he's a pick and roll maestro, and he's got like basically all the things you want except for the fact that he's short and doesn't have much of a wingspan. Yeah, I mean, he is basically the exact same height and weight as John Stockton. So... He must be him, right? What could go wrong? (laughs) I actually really like Malachi Flynn. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. I don't like writing player profiles on players I don't like, so I intentionally pick players that I like to write profiles on, and he was one of them. Or the Jazz That's just the go crazy and get Nico Mannion at 23. <laughs> that would be kind of wild. I mean, he's a good passer. Uh, he'd make plays, but that would be crazy. I what would you? How would you guys react if they picked Nico Mannion at 23? That would just be so bizarre. <laughs> there are so many other point guards or, or like playmaking guards that are that do this things that he does, but better than he does them or that have more upside or both. He, I, I have to say, I, I honestly, I think Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay have got to be pretty happy. I think they've probably, they're going to probably have three or cause their scouting obviously is way beyond what we've done. Cause you know, we do kind of, we do some deep dives, but we're not like doing this, you know, 40 hours a week scouting these guys for years. And I'm sure they've got five or six guys that they're happy to draft. I, I think we're going to come away kind of really happy. Yeah, um, let's see, Jordan, okay. you wrote about a guy, um, Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel what do you think quickly, of him? Yeah. So I think he's more likely a very late first or early to mid second, like in the 25 to 40 range probably. But I love his, his jump shot. I mean, in, in college, let's see this past season, he shot, 92% from the free throw line and 
43% from three. And that was on 5.2 and 4.8 attempts per game, respectively. Like, that's that's pretty wild. And he's got a 6'8 wingspan. I mean, he is only 6'3", so positionally he's not as versatile as you want. But there's a lot to like about But 6'3 like with him. a 6'8 wingspan is pretty... That's pretty solid. I mean, that's not small. Uh, yeah. I mean, he can switch on know. ones and twos, probably. Maybe on some smaller threes, but... I don't know. His, his on-ball defense is a lot better than his team defense. Off-ball, he tends to fall asleep, get caught ball-watching, opens up backdoor cuts for the guy he's guarding. So he's a lot better in isolation and guarding the point of attack or the pick-and-roll than he is like in team defense, so that's kind of an issue. But there's a lot of tools to work with there. You know what I, I really like about Quickly is his uh, how he gets to the free-throw line because watching the Jazz, I get sometimes so frustrated. All of our guards and our ball handlers are just terrified of contact. Yeah. Mitchell, Conley, Ingles, they all will just rather pull up for a floater than go to the basket and get a foul. And quickly will oh, go straight at the basket and he'll draw a foul. And, and then he hits 90% from the free throw line. So that, yeah. that always interests me. Well, and what's even more impressive about that is that the majority of his shots are jumpers because he's not a good finisher at the rim. He was like 21st percentile in rim finishing or something terrible like that. So he doesn't, he didn't actually attack the rim a whole lot. He used a lot of floaters, jumpers, and he still got to the line over five times a game. Like that's, that's pretty impressive. Like he just has a knack for drawing fouls and drawing contact. Okay, but if we're talking uh, like around draft picks, we all want Sam Merrill, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Why not? Take I, a I do like Sam Merrill. I'll be honest, there's a lot of guys right. in kind of the late second round that I've had my eye on. Um, Xavier Tillman would to... be my second yes, round Yes, please, Xavier Tillman is my guy. Yeah, Tillman's a good one. He's getting uh, a kind of hype. Killian he... Tilly's a guy I like, too. Oh, if he, if, if, kill, if, is he the guy I'm thinking of, the one who's had like a million injuries yep yeah he's, yeah, yeah, he's Gonzaga. Gonzaga. yeah he he's got such a solid game if if he was healthy he'd be a easy lottery pick yep. i or close to it i think but yeah i really like tilly yeah so i did uh oh go ahead okay yeah i i did a article just on a couple of uh second round guys because there had been some talk about the Jazz potentially buying into the second round, and they've done that. I mean, did it twice last year. And so Tillman was the number one guy I wanted to write about, which is why I decided to do that. And I just – I want Tillman so bad. I, I'd take him at 23. I'd take him probably at somewhere in the teens if I had that pick. I think his defense and his passing, his rebounding, and his scoring at the rim are four things that will translate to the NBA, which is a lot of things – a lot of players don't have that, and I think he's a rare type of player that if he does pan out and reach close to his ceiling, I think he can be a really high-impact player. So I, that's the guy I hope that the Jazz are going after. And uh, it's been reported a couple times from Tony Jones and also Sam Vecini of The Athletic that the Jazz do have interest. They've expressed interest in him, so I'm hoping, just hoping that they're going to go for it. Yeah, I'd be shocked if the Jazz didn't buy into the second round at least once this draft. Yeah. There's just too many quality role players available. I think with Alexi, he's got so much potential that you it's difficult if he's available at 23 to pass on him just because 
I mean, you've seen what a late, a late first round, uh, big man from Europe can turn out with, uh, with Gobert. So you're like, oh my gosh, could this be another unicorn player? But then also then if Josh Green is there, that's a much safer pick. See, that, that, that's the thing is I, I yeah, I, so I, I was the one who wrote the, the draft preview on him for this year. And like, I mainly picked him because he's just so interesting. I don't know if I would say that I like him. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that I, I, I like about him, but there's a lot of worries as well. Um, and of course, we're talking about guys like Josh Green and Desmond Bain who can step in right away. Uh, Poku or whatever his nickname is, he's a guy who I don't really see stepping in and being a great rotation player for like two or three years. Yeah, I think he's a stash guy, and I I don't think he's worth the risk because to me, he's either like a home run or a strikeout. I mean, sorry, we're switching sports here, but that's like the easiest analogy I can think of. And there are so many guys in this draft who are like easy doubles. You 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 can't pass that up and and risk just completely whiffing on a guy when there's so many. I mean, nobody's a surefire thing, but it seems like there's a lot of guys who are pretty close to a sure thing in this draft, and Poku's nowhere close to that. Or you just do it anyway because it's fun. Just for the memes. <laughs> Not enough to buy into the second round for him. Bay is an interesting one to me, Tyler Bay, because I think he might be the best defensive wing in the draft, or, I mean, forward, whatever position you really want to call him, but he is just a game-breaker on defense. So when you watch those games, like not often does a player stand out on defense, but you watch him play and he stands out immediately. He just breaks the other team's offense but then it offensively he's just i don't know what he's going to be able to give on the nba level and so he's he's kind of a weird one like i think for what the jazz need if they're drafting based on need maybe they go for someone who's a defensive specialist but um green would be more of a well-rounded player who could contribute on both ends of the court in more than one way but bay is i think he could immediately come in and be an nba defender yeah, my guilty pleasure pick is Leandro Balmero. It, it's like by far him. He's 19. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's <laughs> slim at 180. He's He can put the ball in the hole. He is a little flashy. He's fun to watch. And he's just kind of like that wild card player that plays that Euro ball kind of style. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the player that Jazz are just kind of like, you know what, let's do it. Why not? Because... He could, if he if he pans out, he could be a fourteen year NBA player in my mind. I like Leandro too. There, there's moments where he looks like Manu when he's just flinging a pass across the paint into like into the far corner. Exactly, and those kind of players are the ones that you always wish you have on your team, and then you have on your team, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want this player on my team, but they're so much fun. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, in my piece that's coming out tomorrow, you said, or something, I I said that Mitchell's Mitchell's a good playmaker. He's a great playmaker. But if you look at successful teams, they have more than one good guard playmaker and an aging forward playmaker. You need more than that if you want to be successful. Um, like look at the Heat. Bam Adebayo is a playmaker. Uh Tyler Hero is a playmaker. Jimmy Butler is obviously a playmaker. Goran Dragic is a playmaker. The Jazz would only have Ingles and Mitchell as playmakers. And come playoff time, teams are going to take advantage of that. So I think, at least for the moment, trading Conley would really just shoot yourself in the foot for this upcoming playoff season. And if you're going to trade him, you should trade for a forward that can playmake so that you don't have a shortage of playmaking come two, three, four years in the future. I think that's a really good point. I th- I think one of the issues is that so much of Utah's playmaking is undersized playmaking. Like they don't, I mean, Joe Ingles, yeah, <clears throat> but they don't really have like a big playmaking wing. That's I love Joe, but athleticism does matter at some point <laughs> in the NBA. And I think I, I don't know who was who was just talking about. Playmate. Who was that that was just talking about Donovan and playmaking? Oh, it was me. So yeah, I, th- I think he's right. I think the Jazz need to specifically target big athletic wing playmakers specifically. And those yeah, are hard to come by. Obviously. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's probably the most rare player archetype there is in the, in the NBA. He is, and I think you, know, you mentioned size. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I've been on the Donovan Mitchell should be the starting point guard trained since like March of 2019 agreed um but yeah the the point about having multiple playmakers because there's some teams that go with kind of like a heliocentric where like you have a James Harden who's like the playmaker a Giannis but those guys are like big forwards and Donovan Mitchell can't really do the same thing so you do need more playmakers at you know shooting guard like a 6'5 6'6 shooting guard or a small forward uh or you know maybe a, a power forward type of the Kind of wing center perhaps. Yes, please. <laughs> and how have those how have those teams that have like the heliocentric playmaking player fared so far in terms of winning? Like not very well because Giannis hasn't gotten out of the East. Harden hasn't gotten out of the West. Only player that can do that essentially is LeBron James. And if I look at the Jazz's roster, unfortunately, I don't see LeBron James. Yeah, and well, and the last time LeBron did it without a secondary playmaker was Cleveland when he got absolutely destroyed by the Spurs in the finals. Yeah. Because it was basically LeBron against a freaking army in San Antonio. Seriously, if you go look at that Spurs roster, it was ridiculously stacked. I have no idea how LeBron carried that Cavs team to the finals. What was it, 05, 06, something like that? There's also a uh, argument for what 20, 2018 Cleveland. 
that playoff run. That was oh, like, yeah, because because uh, Kyrie was injured for that run, wasn't he? He was on the Celtics, wasn't he? Yeah. At that point. Wait, Ky- yeah, it was like, it was like the year after they traded Kyrie and they brought in Isaiah Thomas. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow. 2020 has been so long, I've, for, I've forgotten what's happened in the last two seasons of basketball. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the SLC Dunk Podcast. I'm sorry that it cut out my audio, but all of our guys did an amazing job. Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. We, we may even have all my audio next time, so make sure you subscribe and rate and review us for that. Talk to you later. Thank you.